It's the Breaking Atoms podcast. We break things down to the very last compound. My name is Summit, aka the failed Homo sapien. And my name is Chris Mitchell, aka the actual factual. This is very true that you're the actual factual because throughout this interview, you were dropping things that made me go, oh, and oh, and even our guest was like, oh, I forgot about that too. I spoke to um, one of my heroes, man. Yes. And if you haven't read the description or seen the title and just, you know, auto playing, we are talking to none other than Buckwild, the legend, the guy who's done 50 um, Bushwhackers, Mad Skills. Oh, you said Bushwhackers job. caught up in the game. Come, Come on, on. bruv. Artifacts. Oh, why he did, did you re- do that? He did the he did the remix to um, come on to get down. Come Why on, did man. You do that, bro. He's he he has been in this game and active in this game for probably close to what year? Nearly thirty. Thirty years. years, yeah. Right, thirty years. He's worked with Big B. Everyone, Big B, Rockefeller. I swear he's the <laughs> only producer to work with Biggie, Jay Z, and Nas, apart from DJ Premier. That is very interesting. It's probably likely to be true. So you got Fast Life, right? You've got you've he's done a bunch of he's done a bunch of stuff with with Hovey with Derangers. Didn't um, he do um Lucky Me? That's Buckwild too. Buckwild too, yeah, Lucky Me. So he's done that. And then Biggie, I've got a story to tell. Yeah, we can go for the litany of that. But yeah, facts. Facts. And and probably you could f- throw Fat Joe in there. And then Primo's done that too. I mean, the fact that we are talking about Buckwild and Primo at that level says a lot about the the credentials of this man, you know. We and said it best in, than that. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we say it in the interview, we say it to him off air, it's bucket list. And it, it means that because he shaped, he, DITC, um, and, and members of the Hitmen really shaped what we know to be classic hip-hop or 90s hip-hop, golden era hip-hop, but what we know from our age, from our kind of era and age group um, because they set the standard they set that standard and um, they were interesting he was instrumental in that you know I mean we we could have gotten to you know more Big L stuff and, and Rockefeller stuff we didn't but there's a lot of gems in in what Buckwild is saying because he's speaking as someone from experience mm. he's speaking as someone who's been in the game so he takes us back to to the 90s and 2000s but he also explains you know what kind of advice he can give to people coming up now I think that's really really admirable of someone who's been in the game for 30 years to share that knowledge and I respect it fully Bro, what else can I say, man? We got Buckwild on, on, on Breaking Atoms. The bucket list continues to get shorter. This is the uh, the end of the bucket list tour, you get me? I, th- I think this, is, you know, that could be, a, you know what, when we do live, live shows, that's the name of the show. I'll pull out all the emails, bro. I have everything. Yo, yeah, we no, should no. speak to this person. And then they end up on the show. It's dope. It's dope. It's it's great. And it is, it, it is uh, as as rap fans, because, you know, everyone thinks that we're, we're always standing out, but we're really giving our flowers. Um, I say everyone, just probably one or two people. We can't say them. It's not everyone. That's no, everyone, man. Put them all in the same bucket. No, if it's I bucket list, we put them all in the same bucket. <laughs> Standard, no, I mean, all of I mean you, that, everyone. I mean the haters, right? The haters always say, oh, you always sound like you're so excited. We are because we love this thing. Um, but we also understand that we're afforded this opportunity to speak to our heroes to legends and to get that wisdom from them because even you speak to Buckwild about in you know you're doing an interview with Buckwild we're still learning from him we're still soaking up his inspiration you know his his drive his ethic and we learn from that so for you to listen you get to hear all these great stories we get to hear them too but also we're taking gems from them to kind of to 
put into our life. So, yeah, respect to Buckwild, man. Yeah, let's get into this one. This is Buckwild, Breaking Atoms Podcast. Check it out. It's another special episode of the Breaking Atoms Podcast. Legendary settings today. We're rocking on today. We rock on today because we want, we have one of the greatest ever producers <laughs> to ever touch yep. a sampler, yep. Pro Tools, whatever you use. He's one of the greatest producers to ever bless hip-hop. We are talking to the one and only Buckwild of DITC. Buckwild, how you doing, man? Man, I'm blessed, man. We appreciate you for joining us. We really do. Um, you are absolutely, when we say bucket list, we, we often say this on that show. We often say it on the show a lot, bucket list, bucket list. But you were really there. You, Master Ace and, and OC, Jesus, like, yo. And we... Yeah, I, I look, man, I'm like, yo, you know, when it comes to this hip-hop thing, man, it's like I'm a person. I was always a fan from it. And like I was saying, I was like, yo, you know, watching the Kanye Netflix thing, it took me back to the beginnings, like even being a DJ. And I was like, wow, you know, this is crazy. But, you know, for instance, like, you know, I, I told my buddy, like, you know, after I watched it, I was like, yo, you know, his mom's instilled in him, you know, to be humble, but it's okay to be cocky. She's like, you're not going to be the person to be like, yo, you know, if you do something, you're like, hey, you know, it's not really that bad. And it's like, you want to crawl up in the shower, but you like, hey, yeah, you know, I did that. And it's like, when I started looking at it, I was like, yo, you know, she's right. You don't have to come off like an asshole, but you just have to appreciate what you did and what you had because you did something everybody can't do. And I think that we all have had that. A lot of the people who made classics and hits, like, yo, everybody couldn't do that. I look from my time, like everybody in my class, you either was on the top level or the bottom level. And I'm like, yo, you know what? It's a blessing that I had so many like-minded people, like-spirited spirit, spirited people who like the same thing that I like. So when, I, when we did these songs, like they were hits and it's like, and they carried on from generation to generation, but that's a special thing. It's a special talent to have. You know, and, and I'm happy, like even Kanye say, it's in God's plans, you know? Because even when I look at it, people are like, yo, you know, how you get your start? And I'm like, yo, you know, I was DJing and I met Finesse and the rest was history. It's like, I don't even remember how it started, you know? And I spoke to G-Rap the other day and I'm like, damn, I was on my third, second or third record and you were in my living room and we was planning to do the G-Rap and Nas Fast Life record. We didn't have a title, but they just wanted Nas as a feature. And I was like, yo, you know, and before I was thinking, you know, like, yo, it had to be a, a, a higher power to organize that. And it's like, especially make these records, classics that last so long where it's like generations of kids that are now men and women, that they respect it and they, they look up to it, so. Looking at it, it's someone else's plan to push that to push that button and make it happen because it's like, like I said before, you know, off the air, like yo, everybody's not making it and everybody didn't make it, and for and for a vast amount of people to appreciate what you've done and what you did, it's an energy that, that was sent around from a higher power, which is I, I think in the universe, and it's like the universe is really godly, so I think that yo, he. 
he orchestrated this. He put me in position with everything. No, you you mentioned you mentioned um, transition from from DJ to producer. We'll, we'll skip that. But just on G Rap, I interviewed G Rap many many moons ago. He told me that him, Akineli, Large Pro, and Nas were working on to become a group, the new Juice Crew. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I've got to dig out the audio. Like, I, I remember doing that at, at like 11 o'clock at night outside because I was too noisy at home. And he and I, I, I recorded it on my phone to a dictaphone. Um, I need to speak to G-Rap again because I want to I delve into more on that. But but just, you know, you, you mentioned Fast Life and that just brought up that story of, I hope someone speaks to G-Rap and hope they clarify it. But him, they had plans. They were in Large Pro's house making those plans to to kind of create a new juice crew essentially i think that they had a bond already yes absolutely looking at it because for paul large professor nas and akinelli they all were on the same and g rap is an extension because he did one and dead a live album and a couple more and you know when i told you i was like yo i didn't know that paul did these records they were like my favorite records is a g rap fan too so for me, before I, before I touched the drum machine, before I got back into DJing and touching the turntables, like I had those cassettes, like all the G-Rap cassettes. And it's like, it was just amazing. Even, you know, being young and like, wow, you know, G-Rap is in my living room. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? crazy. That that's... Was, yeah, it was. And then when we went away, I was like, Yo, we here with G Rap and Nas, and they're going to do a song on my beat, and it's supposed to be a single. So, it's it, it. There are blessings, and it's like I appreciate the blessings. I appreciate people who appreciate the music I do, especially. And it's like I do the best music I can for them. Y'all spend the money, and y'all keep the food on the table. We get paid by the labels and the distributors and whoever, but it's like without y'all, this thing doesn't move. So if people were like, oh, you know, yeah, I'm not buying records no more. If you got 10 million people who say that, the music industry probably would die. Because it's like, you know, just how important it's like, that's why being humble, because even like, I'm still a consumer. So when I'm, everyone I've met that I bought their records, even if it was like the whole collection, has been pretty nice. I'm like, yo, you know what? This is incredible because it's like, you wouldn't really expect this. And it's like meeting someone who you admire. It's like, yo, you know, let me not get fanned out. <laughs> mm. yeah. I know that feeling. Yep. Yep. But you, but you know, you know, but, but you know, Buckwell, that happens to you too right now. Like, you know, you were saying that about Jira, but that happens to you now. People are going to be finding out over you and trying their best not to find out over you because of what you've achieved in the that game. That is true. And I think I'm so lucky to achieve what I did. Like I say, I believe it's the higher power because concurrently, like all of these records and how they happen and how they still play, there's no one who's supposed to have it except like maybe Dr. Dre and Timberland and a couple other people where it's like all your records, are, the majority of your records, at least 85% are still playing, whether if it's underground or commercial, R&B, whatever. And it's like to look at it, the people who make it happen is is the music fans. And the person who orchestrates it is the being of the higher power. You know what? I'm going to give you something to leave on this earth, you know, when you leave. So people can, you know, 
have something to remember you by. And I'm like, yo, you know, this is this is incredible, man. We don't know. We don't know what we're being dealt with when we first start doing music or DJing or rapping, whatever. But it's like, no one knows, like, yo, I'm going to get in the game. And it's like, and I'm going to make this album and this record. And 100 million people is going to love it. And it's going to be getting hits. And it's going to be getting spins and downloads when they make that. You just happy that you had that record. Like, oh man, you know, I got my first album. This is incredible. You know, maybe I hope people like it. So you're like, I hope people like it. Then people are loving it. And you're like, wow, you know, they really appreciate this. And you know, the uh, the records that I did sitting in my room, you know, where it's like, I'm not going to say dusty, but it's, it, it's not how the spaces are as you get more and more deeper into the industry or you're in the studio. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is incredible. So they go from buying the albums I bought, which might've been like G-Rap, Kwame, Master Ace, Dr. Dre, King T, etc. Like all of these albums, I could go on for, for days naming albums. But to see that now, like, okay, cool. You know what? You can now be mentioning this, you know? De La Soul, Trial Call Quest. I had to buy, like, De, De La Soul is dead. I had to buy, not had to, but I bought the cassettes. I bought the vinyl. <laughs> I bought the CDs. Like, I bought mad copies because it's like, once I seen that, after they was done with the Daisy Age, I was like, damn, this is incredible. Yo, just to hear the production and how they... They put it together like a movie, like a TV show. And people, I was like, yo, you know, they not just rapping and having spaces in the middle of the songs. Like they could go off and it's like, into a skit and it's like, it sounds like, you know, when they did like Biddies in the BK Lounge. You know, they talking about it, then it's like they go off and they start singing it. And then it goes on to the next record, you know? So I'm like, yo, this is amazing what people are doing and it's like, and then you go off and and to meet the people that you looked up to, that you were a consumer of, and they admire your work and they're plotting to see if you can work together. I'm like, yo, this is crazy, you know? It's, it's nothing bigger than that. I guess it's like a like being a basketball fan. Like You might be like, all right, cool, I'm in high school, but LeBron is like in the second or third year, now I'm getting out of college and it's like, and we're on the same team and he's telling me, like, yo, you know, he went to the front office and said, yo, you should draft him. Mm. That's incredible, man, when it's like, you know, your heroes become the people who you work closely with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, there's a lot you've, you've said that. I mean, the spirituality part and, and faith is, is, is something that can guide people, but it can also keep you grounded when you have the success. And that's, and that's very important because um, in, this, in this shady game, um, you know, things can go kind of left and you can lose yourself or, or, or almost lose your faith. The other thing is um, you mentioned a group that I guess we should bring up more often and we do sometimes, but probably maybe not enough is De La Soul. Um, De La Soul is an incredible group. So thank you for mentioning them. I mean, the things that they've achieved. In- they are the, the, the fathers of what I would call even like the crew they have with Jungle Brothers and Tribe Crow Quest. To look at it, they they made it possible for Tribe to be who they are, in my opinion. And it's like they had such incredible records because even when they like, yo, we're some nerds from Long Island, 
and this is what we do. And it's like they had the video, and it's like people, they were in school, and people was bullying them. And it's like, yo, no one gets in the video and humiliates themselves like that. So I thought it was, I thought it was pretty amazing. And then you know, when you meet them, you're like, wow, you know, you guys are true artists. And it's the same thing with Tip and Ali and Rest His Soul Fight. You know, those guys are true artists too. And Tip is, how can I say, they're so meticulous about things and how they put the album together and what they use, what they sample, the choruses, the verses, the approach, how the rhymes sit in pocket, you know, on the on the song. Like he's really and somebody said this, like he's the John Coltrane. I think it was Pharrell. He's one of the dudes you will look at, like even like a James Brown. But seeing James Brown's story, how he would be meticulous about how the band played. If one thing is like if you're not hitting it right, and it's like it's like, yo, you know what? I'm, I don't need the I don't, the guitar doesn't need to be louder, but I need to feel it. And it's like just the things that how how they are meticulous about the little things that make the record what it is. You know, I look and that's tip. Even though one day he could love it, then the next day he's like, oh, I'm not feeling it. So having that, that's an uh, amazing feat too, because a lot of people they'll just put anything out. But when you see how many records they sold and it's like how the records are monumental, I think that those things can play a part also. So even not knowing that and seeing that, but people would be like, oh, you know, yo, you don't like nothing. I'm like, I like stuff, but it's like, you got to feel it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, when you feel it, you don't just, I think with music, you don't just hear it. Like, it, you feel it. You listen to a song and it can make the hair on your finger stand up. You know, or you can listen to a song and it's like, when you put the song down, you still carry the vibes with you. Where it's like, it's, it, it, it resonates. Like, it's in your spirit, it's in your mind, it's in your soul. And it's like, you become one with it. You have another thing that you have tacked on to your being with who you are and the energy that you carry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, music and the creation of music itself is about vibes. I mean, um, when you think about dubs and you think about reggae and, and just the inherent uh, at its core, what it, what it stands for. But then if you look at even just how music is created with the waves yeah. and vibrations and how, when you're mixing things to hit certain waves, so they don't, you know, um, they don't contradict with each other, but they flow with each other. All of that is is symbolic of of feeling and and waves and 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 that transcends to the to the listener. Um, but speaking on 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 equipment, um, we do kind of thing like edutainment, right? So you know we like to have fun and but we also like to educate. Um, your equipment, we have a lot of producers that listen to the show. Could you talk through your your current setup and what you had? Say, let's take the setup of ninety seven that you had and, and your setup now and how has it changed? Well, in 97, I was going from a transition with the SP-1200 and the MPC-3000. Because Biggie record came out in 97, you know, when it's like, I had one of the last records done. And I, I do remember doing a beat. And then it's like, OC album was done the end of that time also. And it's like, I remember I had just bought the MPC and, you know, when I gave him beats, I was like, yo, you know, I'm testing this, you know, tell me what you think. He's like, yo, I love the beats. It's like, I want to use these right here. 
And I could feel the difference. And it's like, I look at it, I'm like, wow, the 1200 was more grimy and gritty. And this one is more clean. And it's like, so this is what these guys are using to make big records. You know, the Kai samplers. And, you know, it's a, it's a learning process. I think everyone, what they need to do, find what you like to use and be comfortable with it. And don't just use something because someone else does it. Like, hey, you know, I'm going to use the ASR 10 because Alchemist uses it. That don't mean that you're going to make the same beat that he does or it's going to sound the same. He might know a trick or something, you know, to make it sound the way it does because it's a few people who use ASRs. Like RZA uses an ASR and him and Al beats don't sound the same. Not even sonically. So Premier uses the MPC 60 or 62. I, I, well, he used to. And all the R&B producers use the MPC 62. And his beats sound way more grimy, like he uses an SB 1200 or something than anyone else. So I, I, I tell cats, even the ones that just start, I'm not gonna say younger, because sometimes you could come into the game older, but find what you feel and get comfortable with it and make sure that it's like sonically it's producing the sound that you're looking for, like the vibe, so that way you can be okay with what you're doing and you're not just worried sense. about it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. What are you using now? Are you still using the MPC? Yeah, I'm oh. using the MPC Live too. Okay. I want to talk about the uh, the compilation albums that you've put out recently. So you did um Fully Loaded and you also did Music Is My Religion. And I remember seeing the announcements for them and I'm like, Buck is still busy. What was what was your reasons for putting out two compilation albums like in the middle of a pandemic back to back like that? Well, I'm a, and I said this, like, I'm a fan of music first. And I know there's a lot of like-minded people that's like me, whether they're young or older, because people were like, I look at it as, like the same time, you know, me and Self did the album, you know? It was a lot of people younger who enjoyed the album. They was like, yo, I thank you all for doing this. And I'm like, yo, you know what? When you're inactive, it does no justice for music fans. But when you're active, you gain new fans and it's like, and you have older fans that appreciate it also. So if this was a toast, it's like, yo, a toast to, a toast to these people, you know? Cause like I say, coming from being a fan, it don't matter. You know, you might still have enough to, you know, get your daily dose of music. Or you might be like, yo, you know, I have to save what I have, but the beauty now, when you have iTunes, you can stream it. And I think what it does too, like we're going to be coming out of it, it keeps you going. And it's like, now I'm looking, I'm like, okay, maybe we could go back to majors now. Because right before I did those two albums, we worked on Jadakiss' album. And working on Jadakiss' album, and during that time, it's like we worked on AZ's album. So... I believe everything has a purpose. It's like, you know, if it was basketball, you're not going to be like, yo, I'm going to shoot a jump shot all day. You might be like, let me do a finger roll. Let me get a few dunks. Let me get some steals. And, you know, your fans will be content with that with what you're doing. And and I hate to say please the people, but we all are people pleasers because it's like, yo, whatever we do, we want to do to the best of the ability that it makes us a certain way. And it's like, and we look a certain way. And we appreciate it. Mm. Mm. 
I like the fact though on these compilations what you did it was a mix of legends like you had Smith and Wesson Raekwon but you also matched them with you know your ace on Eastwoods and Rome Streets and all that and it, I, when I when I saw the track list I'm like okay you know like Buck still has his ear open and he's still aware of of the talent that's out right now because some people do miss it because there's a lot of talent out there do you know yeah, what I mean? it is but it's like when you look at it Ever since we came in the game, we would study the game. Like, stay up late, listen to Stretch and Barbito, see who's the new cats, and it's like, you know, and 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 study and then go get their albums. Like, even talking about this and talking about radio, like Peter Rosenberg, like, he did his album. I did two songs on his album. One was with Mayhem Loren, and the other one was with Rashid Chappelle. But I was stoked to I was stoked to um be on an album because I was like, wow, you know, I hope um maybe he'll pair me with Stove God Cooks. We'd love to hear that. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I look at it and it's a lot of cats that don't have the big budgets to be like, and that's another thing with doing these albums. Like, yo, you know what? You could work something out and you could do the big and you can make it happen. Like even working with Ransom, I did a few with Ransom on these albums. And I've known Ransom since the clue since DJ Clue days. And he's always been a gifted rapper in my eyes and my ears. Him and um his old partner, Hitchcock. So like I think for me my ears go a little deeper than the average person because I'm a lover of the music. Like, you know, when I came in and I was DJing, it's like I used to look for whatever records that I needed. You know, I like, you know, we spoke offline about the Kanye documentary. Um, being early in a career doing things in 94, then going to Chicago and meeting Common, meeting No ID, and this was all from Twilight Tone. Yep, yep. Most people don't know who he is. He was like, yo, you know, if you want to come out, yo, come out and hang with us. And it was me and, and Vic from Beat Nuts. And, you know, we would frequently take trips to Chicago. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. V-I-C. I was about to say, I haven't heard that name in yonks. Yeah, man. I was listening to Al Tariq the other day. I'm like, where is where is Vic? Vic is around. I see him on Instagram, but he, like, the Beat Nuts is a group of guys that I've seen, and I look up to them like, yo, these guys were incredible. You know? And they were of that tribe called Native Tongue. And not only with that, but it's like, I think... Even musically from back then, it's like, you know, people always ask me what's the difference between then and now. The one thing I would say is the level of where people would put what they have. Like you had the Beat Nuts making beats, you had Q-Tip making beats, De La Soul made their own beats. You had DJ Premier, you had Showbiz, Diamond D. You had so many people who were raising the bar. And that's the one thing I thought about now. It's like, yeah, you know what? It's time to raise the bar because a lot of people are complaining that, that you can just walk into the um, hip hop world and make an indie album. And all of a sudden the shelves are flooded with albums, you know? So in order to get yours to be correct, you, if you have any type of name, you have to kind of raise the bar production wise and yeah. rap wise. Yeah. So you always have the fans, so if they paying Fifteen twenty dollars for a CD, twelve dollars for a download on Bandcamp. You should be stepping it up so that way you can give them their money's worth. It's like a movie. You go to a movie, you want to 
pay for your tickets and it's like, you know, it's worth its weight and gold. Like, oh, you know, I'll see that again. You know, it's it's entertainment, but at the same time for us as people, like, and, and, and I said this like, you know, before, like, to be a fan of rap is everything. And, you know, like, I was a DJ, LP was a mixtape DJ, Law Finesse was a mixtape DJ. We dug for mixtape records before we dug for samples. So we kind of knew what we was up against. It's like, in order to try to be like, okay, we're in the same stores with Ron G and SNS and some other people. So in order to get the sales, a person walk in, he might want three tapes or two. So you're like, I got to be one of the first two that he would want to buy. So I need this record so I could play this record first. And you always think about the consumer spending their money. And the same thing with, it goes with production. Like, yo, you think about the consumer spending their money. And that's the, that's the thing I look at. Like people would be like, um, and even in, you know, the 2000s, you know how I, I, I seen people talk about Kanye, the same thing on a documentary and and I'm like, wow, you know, yo, you're not cocky like Kanye. It's like, everyone's different. They have a different personality. And you don't know what that person went through before they got to the point where they are now. Here's a person where it's like everyone slammed the door on them. So when everyone slams the door on you, you're not sticking up your middle finger, but you're like, I told you that I was going to make it. So I guess... You know, when people tell you this, when he's telling people this, it's probably like, wow, you know, you're very sure yourself. Yeah, because I believe in myself. What I'm going to say, I'm not going to make it. I seen it last night. He made that point. I was like, that's a very valid point. When someone says, yo, you know, you, you want to do music, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to make it by any means necessary. You're not going to be like, yo, I'm going to try. And I just hope I succeed. When I started, I was like, will give an answer like that. I'm gonna make it by any means necessary. This is something I love. And it's like, I know the people who are consumers and fans and stuff, I know we have the same taste, so I can plug in with them and we can spread this energy. And it happened and it's like, you know, we didn't have the internet, but it's like when I was doing records, like even Funk Dubious Remix, I would be places and they play at like the end of a party and it's like people would be rocking to it and I'm like it doesn't sound like Pete Rock <laughs> so it doesn't sound like you should be dancing to it and then it's like I had to get myself out of that and be like yo people appreciate what they what they hear and time's up I thought it would be that but it's like you know people were like yo you know of course you had Biggie and Craig Mack out but people enjoyed the record it became something to have a, a, a cult, cultural following and I was like, yo, you know what, man? It's like, records with a purpose. That's what we doing here. Oh, and OC, he's so gifted as an artist. I looked at him the same way. Like, even when we did the song, Burn Me Slow, I was like, yo. Classic. I was like, yo, I don't think Nas wants to run with you because neck and neck, man, it's like when you look at it, you guys come with the same thing. You know, he did My World with Premier. He did Strong J with, you know, my man OG. He did Constables with OG. So when you look at it and you look at him lyrically, you're like, wow, this kid is gifted. You know? Is that what's holding him back? 
Well, what's holding yeah. him back, I think, was his labels. Yeah, he didn't have the best promotion, did he? Promotion, yeah. I, I didn't think that people would enjoy the song with Heavenly Vet Michelle. And it's kind of crazy to go from doing Time's Up to doing that. And you're like, oh, shit, you know, oh, you know, you like this? And then some people are like, yo, you know, I hate that, but I love Time's Up. Why didn't y'all do a part two? Well, we had a record that was something close to it called, um, what was the name? Mas- uh, Master Yaha. And um, I love the record. And then it's like, I love this rhymes. Like me and O, we did a, a ton of records that never came out. But some of them got sprinkled here and there. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to ask you, because it's actually on my list. Let's talk about it now. So Burn Me Slow, the beat, Royal Flush ends up using the beat for um I've been getting so much money. And um Master My Master Your High Faith Evans ended up using it for I Love You. Yeah. How does that happen? Well, it happens when O turns the beat down and say, take your beat back. <laughs> <laughs> this song is trash and I'm like yo B you bug it it's like nah this ain't it I don't think people gonna like it and then okay. like I think with um with Burmy Slow I forgot what was the reason I think it was a clearance thing with the label or the label was like ah oh, the album is cool without it or it didn't make it cause it wasn't in time but okay. that song was then we had another song I used for my group that I had before. Um, the song was called Mega Heart. And um, that was supposed to be OC and Nas, but Nas stood us up in the studio. I've heard I've heard stories about um, Nas not necessarily showing up for, for certain things. You know, I wasn't there, but um, it's it's been said before. And I do remember that record, but I didn't know it was for OC and Nas. I didn't know that either. Yeah, that's OC's chorus. So when I gave it to my group, I was like, yo, here, just use this for the chorus. And people were going crazy, like, oh, this record is fire. Like, even when we did the mixtape, I remember Al, like, yo, these dudes is hot, man. It's like, it was the first record on there. He was like, yo, if they need beats, just let me know. The problem was they couldn't keep it together afterwards, because it's like, knowing what I know now, with Al in the underground, I would have pushed for it, even if I had to make the frames and take old songs that were scrapped and be like, yo, here, do this, and this will be the chorus. You, you, and you, and it's like, you and you do this, you do the solo, and we'll put it out, and it's like, we'll run it through every mixtape distributor and press the vinyl on Fat Beats. Hindsight mm. mm. is always twenty twenty, but for me to do these indie albums, my, um, my inspiration was from Al, because Al... I remember him telling me in Rockefeller, like, yo, man, like one day he was just fed up. He's like, yo, man, I'm gonna just do indie shit, man, because it's like, I'm not chasing these rappers no more. I'm like, we not really chasing them. It's like, yo, but look what, we, look what we gotta go through. It's like, yo, I could put records out and it's like, and it's different. And this is, I think the same time he did the album will Hold You Down. And then he, he, he branched it off into something else. He's like, yo, you know, I don't have to chase these dudes. A lot of people, they want to work with us. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So when I started these, I was like, yo, you know what? Let me take Al's, um, his direction. Because before that, we did the album of Mayhem, and he's like, yo, you got it. That's a dope album. Just keep it going. I'm like, okay, how do you keep it going? <laughs> you know? And then, you know, we slowed down from there, and then it's like, when this came, it's like I sped it up. I'm like, all right, cool, you know what? 
if I don't have a rap I want to do with it, I can do it with many rappers. And even though right. me and Mayhem, we have one now, um, we're about halfway through. You have all the beats. I'm like, yo, you know what? We can make these things. And I look at it like Al and Bronson and Boldy, and it's a few other cats that are the leaders of the pack. And I tell people like, look, man, if you want to win in this, you gotta be better than Al or you gotta be on the same level because he made this market. He made it when he started doing tracks with um the Griselda camp, where it's like it made people look at them. And I'm not giving no disrespect to Damager, you know, Conway and um Benny and Westside, but it's like a co-sign from a dude who has been doing this underground stuff before, you know, who was just as big then as he is now, it helps out when you put out your records. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like, yo, you know what? I enjoy music. I enjoy doing music. I enjoy doing music for people when they hear it, you know, consumers. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do this. I hear you. I want to I want to double back. You mentioned the album is self-titled, which is one of my my favorites from you. Um talk about, you know, your relationship with James Ellison and also what is the process as a producer? If I came to you and I said, "Buck, I want to I want to do a 1990 now part 2." How do you go back and find these beats and think, "Okay, I'm going to pick this out and bring it to me?" I thought the whole concept was fascinating. All right. Well, let's go to the first question. Um I haven't spoke to James in a while, but James was always cool. He helped me put out um, the compilation I had with all my B-sides and remixes. I have that. Which did really well. And, you know, then he came to me and said, hey, I got this guy. I don't know if you know who he is, but he has a concept for an album if you got your 90s beats. And I was like, cool. He's like, self-titled. I was like, oh, I know who self is. And um, he's like, yeah, you know, he wants to rap all over some of your shits. It's like, you know, out of anybody he picked, he picked you. <clears throat> I'm happy he did. He's a dope artist. Very meticulous about things also. So what I did was I went through... Who did I get the 1200 from? I forgot. I forgot who I got the 1200 from, but it's like I went through all my discs and I put everything and Pro Tools, and I sent it to self. And a lot of those songs became 1999, 1999 and 1991, and the remix album. So to see it, like I say, we, um, when you get genius artists like that, and this is the thing I love about the 90s, no one makes it, wants to make the same album someone else did. They, everybody wants to do something different. So he's, he's like, oh, you know, well, such such did this. It's like, I think for you, it's like, we got to use your strong points, what people like about it. They want that. And people want the sound right now, too, because they don't like what's up. And he was right. He was right on the money. And it became a success. And it's like, it's crazy because we didn't tour and we didn't do a part. We didn't do a part three. 1990 more is really like, okay, that's part two. Same album you add some songs on and it's like, you know, you get people more. And then we had the, the green vinyl with, with remixes, and which was the beats that we didn't take off of the Pro Tools. 
know what I'm saying? We just kept it from the debts and was like, okay, we're going to um, press this. So working with him, like I say, is it's different than the artist now because I think for him, and I say this, most artists from the 90s, it's a thin line between a major label and underground. So when you look at most Def and you look at Talib Kweli, when they have songs like Get By and Kweli, you know, The Blast, all of those songs like that, it could have easily been on a major label like Warner Brothers, one of these other labels, but it's on um, Raucous. And it's made, you know, the sell through Fat Beats. It's like they pigeonholed it. Most Def, when he did the beef song, when he did the song where it's like he, he did BDP over the PS3, it's a very thin line between underground and coercion. And everybody can't cross that river. But even for those two guys, they were so dope. Then when, um, even when Jay-Z said in the rhyme, it's like, you know, um, I want to rhyme like Talib Kweli. And he referenced Common. Also, I want to rhyme like Common Sense. I did five mil, I ain't rhyme like Common Sense. People looked at them and it's like, even if you thought that people wasn't, they knew, and I know they knew this, they knew that they was the shit. So to see it nowadays, it's like people think they the shit, but I don't think that they coming with the proof. And most death was coming with it, you know? Like you look at, like I said, you look at these guys, you look at Common. Common had, it took, five, it took him five albums to go go. And, um, but he always was super incredible. I used to love her. That's like an that's like a record on the same level of like you know to me like Times Up, Master I C. Um, also like I like Bush Babies. It's like that, y'all. I love that song. I, yo, I used to ride. I used to ride around playing that all day. CNN was another group that was underground that broke the commercial. So I think that that's a, a difference in the time now because it's like. Even when you go to clubs and stuff, if you CNN and it's like, and you like, okay, yeah, I like Nas, but it's like he's more commercial now. I like Biggie, but he's commercial. Ah, oh, you know, I like um, you know, it could be anybody who passes that two hundred thousand threshold and still is there where the hood people like them. That's what I believe it is, because some people were coming out like even R.A. Rugged Man. For me, the first time I met R.A., we was doing Red Hot Love Tone's album. And, um, you know, Tone put him on a record that I did. And that's how I got cool with R.A. Then all of a sudden, all my peers and the peoples that I looked up to, they were rocking with him. Havoc loves him. Um, Akinelli, he loved him. Biggie loved him. Biggie did Cunt Renaissance with him. So here's a guy who's totally underground, as people would say, but you have a song with the rapper who think who people think is the most commercial because he thinks he's dope. You know, and it, those times to me was like my favorite because it's like, it was no bias. And everybody was underground. It just so happens that you cross the river. And like I say, I think that, um, that most definitely could have crossed that river 
to mainstream and Talib because they had the um the talent to do so. And even like high tech and Talib, I was like, yo, you know, there's a group, they are crazy, you know? And you know, like I said, it's just a time thing. I agree. Um I'm gonna hand over to Summit in a second, but you you, you mentioned funk dubious. Yeah. Before and you mentioned the uh, the digging in the crates compilation. I want to talk about your remixes and how incredible they are. No, they're not like Pete Rocks. They're totally, totally unique to you. And I hold <laughs> you, Eric Sermon, Pete Rock, Premier. In terms of the remix game, you you guys are like the gods to me. Why were you so busy doing remixes? Like, how does that happen? Like, your your phone must have been ringing off constantly because you've done a lot of remixes. Well, I was walking in labels and it's like they were kind of just like throwing them at me. And, you know, I was having fun doing music, so I would take whatever. Even down the channel live, like, you know, I knew what the record was and it's like, I remember, um, I think it was L. L called me and he was like, yo, uh, I got this record I want you to remix. I'm going to send it to you. And, and I'm like, Y'all know this record, they playing it like crazy on the radio. He's like, yeah, but we need a remix. I'm like, a remix? It's like, doesn't that usually happen in my mind? I'm like, doesn't that usually happen when the record's not doing good? But it's like, I was remixing everything under the sun. And it's like, now I know that it became a thing like how Pete Rock was when it's like you had a record and it's like, it's a Pete Rock remix. It became the same thing, and Pete was becoming incredibly busy. So as Pete was becoming busy, I, beca- I became the next person up and in line where it's like the remixes was doing well. And, you know, being sought after to do that, that's kind of cool, too. When people want, want you to do it, and it's like, yo, you know what? I need that sticker on it that says Buckwild Remix. Yeah, it means something. So even for me, like one of my favorite remixes, it wasn't one that pop off that people talk about, but it was a special ed remix. Um, lyrics. Yeah. Mm. That was one of my favorites. You know, that and maybe Channel Live, you know? The Channel Live, you did two of them, yeah. two remixes, no? I didn't know which one to use, so I turned them both in and it's like, and I had them re-vocal one of them. Okay, <laughs> yes. I, so I, my the favorite remix... I mean, that's a good deal. My favorite remix from you, and I'm going to hand over to Summit before I have my fan moment, is the one little Indian remix. Oh, man, I forgot about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the one. That's the and one. You know what came across my mind, too, just now? Ahmad. Like, I remember being in the studio and he redid the vocals on his when it's like they flew him out the battery. And I look and it's like, you're right. It's like, yo... I've done so much and it's like this is what I told Al I said yo man I didn't realize like if you wasn't on the album or you didn't do the record I did it and he's like yo that's just what it was and it's like you know it wasn't a competition but we were just inspired by each other like oh man that's what you just did watch my next beat tape when it's like wait so I do this and it was an amazing time man it's like when you have the best producers that you could spar with, you know, for me, it was LP, it was Lord Finesse. I used to go to Finesse House, Head Beast, and just be inspired without lyrics on there. Showbiz, it was incredible, because it's like, I can remember going to Showbiz House, like, yo, I just did this record last night with Chris, you know, hmm. and it sounded the police. Mm-mm. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, why didn't I do that? 
How can <laughs> you know Diamond D and Diamond was on everything, Busta everything and Fuji's. Fuji's. I was intimidated to get Busta beats. You know, because I always like Busta's an artist since leaders of the new school and he rhymed on a moment to get down remix. I'm like, damn, he's killing it. What do I give him the rhyme to? You know, I like working with Sadat. It's like, you know, it was a bunch of people that I did like working with. Um, Pooba, I remember doing a I Like It remix. I was like, wow, you know, I was pretty stoked and, and you know, and pretty fanned out doing that. And I was happy that him and Dante Ross, they liked the remix. That remix was hard, literally hard. See, now the appreciation for what I've done more than then. Because we the, the internet allows you to be close to the people so you can hear their opinions. When you're just going in the street and it's like New York is a very competitive place. So you could do a record and it's like people might, everybody might not play it. Like, I remember doing a Biggie record and it's like, you know, in the source they was like, oh, you know, they don't, the album is hard, but it's like, I don't know about this last record here. And, you know, and now I look, I'm like, damn, this is probably one of the only records to still play. So all the records y'all like, the hypnotizers and everything else, this is the one that it's like you hear everywhere. So it, it taught me something too, like, yo, don't ever underestimate, just see and let them stand the test of time. You know, sometimes when you do something different, they don't understand it then. You know, they'll get it later. And it was pretty incredible times. It's like, I had fun doing remixes. Remixes were just like doing songs to me. That's why I say, especially like the special ad. I was a special ad fan since I got it made album. You know, and it's like, then to have it, I was like, yo, you know what? I can do this. Let me not give him something that people might want to like, be like, oh, this sounds like the Howie T joint. I was like, yo, let me bring you into a different zone. And it's like, you know, like we had to bring it on, I think. And it's like, Monch loved it. A few people loved it. And I was like, yo, I need to have him on something like that. So when I did, when I did lyrics, I was like, wow, this is, I thought it was incredible. It did okay at mixed show, but I was like, yo, for him ra rapping on that, Yo, do you hear his rhymes? He still has the skills like when he was 17 and he, and he did that, youngest in charge. Yeah. Um, you, you, meant, you mentioned the remixes and obviously the, the 90s were a time where you'd be in the studio with people. I, I, I guess I want to ask, um, describe a typical day in the 90s where you'd be going from studio to studio because I've heard that you know, you, you, as much as you're active now, back then you were super active by going to all the studios, boys being available. As a producer back then, talk about just how hungry you were from going to Battery to Unique to Chunking to to all the different studios just to to work with people. Because I've heard stories from people within the industry and people who were there at the time that you would always see Buckwild at the studios because he'd always be there. And I guess a testament to your work ethic. But talk us through, I guess, a, a, a typical day. Um, yeah. Well, for me, a lot of my days, like during a certain time, would be spent at battery. I would be in battery like I worked there. I would get up 10 o'clock in the morning. No, 8 o'clock in the morning. Have a session like 10. Knock that session out. Have a session like 9 o'clock. In the same room, but a different artist. Stay there till the wee hours of the morning. Go home. Maybe take another little nap because I took a nap in the studio when everything was dark and then get up and do the same thing again. 
sometimes it's like, you know, even looking at it, like I say, even being like Buster, and it's like, that's the time Buster was really working. And it's like, I could walk the soundtracks which is four blocks away, you know? And um, go to soundtracks, chop it up with Buster, listen to what he's working on, become fanned out, become mesmerized. Like, yo, who did this? Oh, this is Buddha and Shamella. Yeah, I heard him, yo, this shit is crazy. <laughs> yo, who's this? Oh, that's DJ Scratch. Oh man, Scratch is, he's still incredible. You know, like people aren't giving him his roses, you know? Um, and you can see a lot of other people. So even being in Battery, you could take a quick trip to Hit Factory. This, like, you know, even before 97, if this is 95, you might see Biggie in there. It's a chance you might see Biggie in one of these studios with Junior Mafia, you know? Frequently going to a lot of these studios because of the relationship with the artists. And numb respecting your work and numb sometimes going to poly. But for me, Battery was my home. And it's like, it's crazy because if I was in the A room, Havoc would be in the C room and Tribe Court Quest would be in K2. Hmm. So why would I need to really leave? The people that I looked up to the most were right next to me. And, you know, people were coming to see, you know, Tribe, you know, including some of the bosses like Chris Lighty, et cetera. The Loud crew was coming up to see Mob, Havoc, and P. You know, a lot of their boys was coming up, you know, I remember even LES coming through. I remember Noy coming through. And it's like a lot of they boys from the bridge. So on the network thing, it's like, it's not like now. Why would I need to leave? It's like, I could be there. They could hear what I'm doing. I could hear what they doing. And, you know, the respect to be there. And it's like, you know, and it's, it's still sharp and still. So if I hear something, I'm going to try to make something better when I step back up to the beat machine. And Havoc's gonna do what he do, which is make incredible shit out of probably would be nothing, you know, to some people. And Tip is doing what he do, like very meticulous and finding the best the best loops. You know? Who was the first person to hear woe outside of yourself? The beat. The first person to hear the beat, Finesse heard it first. Finesse used to be like, oh, you know. His girl he was dating at the time, she was rapping and he was like, you know, let me get some beats. So I played him the beat. I don't think, I don't think that she jumped on it or wrote anything to it. She was sitting on it for a while. Then the first industry person I think I played it for was Pun. And Pun told me that was the worst beat he ever heard. What? Yeah. We all have, I think all producers have a history with that, you know? When, when I did the Biggie record, it was the same thing with Foxy, you know? And we had a record that was dope that she that she wrote. It was her and Cormega. It was a pretty dope record. But it didn't make the album. Then it's like I did a, a beat with SNS, which was the same beat that Queen Pen used for Party Ain't a Party. And we presented that. They didn't really like that. So I'm like, okay, cool. But it's always a case where these things happen, you know, and I just look at it. The only regret that I have is I didn't have it where it's like I could just drop beat tapes off 
you know, to a person like Foxy, you know what I'm saying? And just to get her opinion or even Gavin, her brother, you know, but it was definitely a dope time. And it's like for her to be who she is, you know, people complain, but it's like, I was like, yo, you know, you got to see her right. She'll sit right at the board and she'll write a verse. It's dope as fuck. And I'm blessed to have witnessed that in Chung King Studios with her and Cormega. And Cormega's not a slouch either. And he's like, one of my favorites. Yeah. You know? And these times was like, it was so crazy because when you look at it, how they became, how artists became factory artists, where it's like, you'll make their image and write their rhymes and have them, you know, you'll give them uh, a, a blueprint of what they need to do and a sketch vocal. And it's like, they got to just trace your vocals. A lot of these artists, it's like, they were great artists because it's like, they were fans of like hip hop and even real hip hop. Not just like, yo, I'm gonna just do something to get on the radio, you know? Cause Kim was the same way. I think Kim was a fan of um, Buckshot and them, Black Moon. I mean, it's Brooklyn, isn't it? So Yeah, so when you're looking at it, it's like, during that time, it became a phenomenon because people started making radio records. Well, they were making radio records then, but even more. And um, if you get a hard record, like Craig Mutt probably was one of the last, one of the first people or last to really just keep it going with the Easy Mo B record for Flavor in Your Ear, you know? And then you had a lot of other ones which kind of fell short, which I call like even Bush Babies that had a tribe feel. Damn, I used to play We Run Things like at least three times a day, like medicine. <laughs> <laughs> who else um, heard the uh, the Wobi? I know you said pun, but who are the other industry people? Bleak, Amel, Jay, the Rockefeller camp. Um... And I think by the time, and then took it to Bad Boy, and it's like the buck stopped there because it's like Black Rob's manager was actually the person who picked that beat. And it's like I put it on a, um, on a DAP form or whatever and went home and got a call the same night. Like, yo, Rob already wrote the song and this. Yo, it's crazy. And to look at it, like going to Rockefeller, um, the person who I gave it to, who gave it to a million bleak and them was Lenny S. And I remember going to see Lenny and he was like, yo, you know, he had the 12 inch. And it's like, he walked in his room and it's like, I think he was tight, mad. He just stormed off. Like, yo, I told y'all this is going to be a hit. Watch this come back to bite y'all in the ass. And he slammed his door. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, damn, that's crazy. When you get a record, that could be a monster. You don't want to let it go. And like, I ain't gonna lie, like Biggie had a lot of monsters that weren't the typical monsters because of, I think, what he put to it. Like, um, play his anthem, get money. There's a, quite a few records he had that was like that. Who shot you? They still plays to this day. Yeah, but you know, woe, is, woe is... Huh? Woe is one of those records, man. Like, when I heard Rob on it, it wasn't what I was expecting, but knowing the story of Woe and how many people heard it, I said the right person got it. What he did to that was amazing. And it's all because of his manager. Rob wasn't there. Mm. He took the beat, he handpicked the beat, that one beat, and gave it to Rob. 
it wasn't like, oh, he took four or five beats. He's like, nah, we need this right here. This is it. He had foresight. So now I look at him like, yo, you know what? It's like the person who did their job that day was um, the manager. And Hawk Pierre co-signed it. I think he was there early, but he I don't think he had the initial idea. But when Rob had the song, he was like, yo, this is it. Then Puff heard the song and was like, yo, we got to do a video to this right away. And it's crazy because that and the Faith song was done around the same time. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because that was 2001, innit? That album came out. His album came out 99, 2000, but it's like, Yeah, and you know, Faith was 2001, I think, somewhere around there. Wow. 99, Times 2000. Four. Okay. Because I remember the paperwork. We had a discrepancy because of somebody did something with the paperwork, and I had to call Puff to get it fixed. <laughs> well, you yeah. had a direct line to Puff, though. That's impressive. Yeah, what happened to that number, though? See, what I say, and I tell people, I be like, yo, you know... um. You guys think that this is wonder why these guys blow up and they become successful as they do. They just make themselves reachable to the right people. I'm not going to say that he goes in the bathroom and writes a number now, but it's like, yo, if you the right person, y'all, all right, you need to get me here, right here. Call them here. It's like, yo, I'm going to call my lawyer. I'm going to have him take care of it. Just go down and sign the contracts tomorrow. Or have your lawyer call you to sign up. And that was that. Classic record. Yeah. Like, people look at it and they be like, oh, you know, puppy jerking niggas. I'm like, yo, Puff don't jerk people. It's like, it's your lawyer who let it happen. Puff is actually fair. But if you don't do your business right, he's not going to say, hey, you know, you're not doing your business. Let me throw you these extra grands uh, on top of it. Why should he, right? He, 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 he he's, he's giving you an opportunity. He could, but... Yeah, the one thing I say is Puff gave a lot of dudes opportunities. Like for Rashad, you know, Rashad's an underground producer. He's the... Tumbling Dice. Yeah, Tumbling Dice. He did Doing It. He did One More Chance Remix. He did a few... He did quite a few... Wuha as well. He did Wuha too. Yeah. So looking at it, like the one thing people didn't understand, like you can't be mad at Puff because the one thing Puff is is like... And that's to say this before, because in New York, what they have is an EOE, Equal Opportunity Employer. So when you go work with Puff, if you know what you want, you can't go to Puff and he's like, yo, you know, well, we're going to do this song for um, Mary, but it's going to come to me. How much do you want? So they probably already got the budget to the side, because if you know business, then you got to know how to do it yourself. Allow him to get his fair share and you get you a respectable number and you go from there. Not be like, yo, he's going to give me this and it's like, this is a small ticket compared to what he got. You could ask for more when he asks you. And he's pretty fair. Because even like working with Big and a host of other people on Bad Boy, they don't tell you like, yo, I'm going to give you this. They just be like, yo, how much you want? All right, cool. Don't worry about it. Just send the paperwork in and it's like, with your invoice and we'll take care of it. So, and plus look at, like I say, man, I don't think there's been any other um, indie label besides Steve Rifkin that gave opportunities to a lot of up and coming, even if I want to say black producers. That's why I say, like, he definitely was an EOE, like, 
he had a staff just to, just like well just like Lau, and it's like he did he did more things than a lot of other people did because it's like his promotion was crazy and it's like when you with Puff you're going to work every day and you might work 24 hours but you're gonna the one thing it's like that I know being there you have a sense of pride the records have to be made so dope that you're proud to take the record to flex you're proud to take it to DJ and uh, you're like oh man you know we got this record I'm gonna send it to you let me just play it for you you're gonna love it and they'll you know, they'll do what they do. They'll give them a teaser and be like, oh yeah, I need this. Because the Benjamins was floating around on a cassette before it was pressed to vinyl. So I know that they were like, oh, you know, you gotta have this record. And it's like, everyone was like buzzing hard. And you know, the business part on that side, like he knows that's why all these albums were selling. Soon as we did, well, this, the, the promo versions was pressed. Like they magically it's, it's appeared. The puff business, it's the puff machine. He knew. He knew. He knew what time was. He pressed the he, button. He knew what he had. He knew. And I don't think he was doing a lot of videos at the time, but he was in the wall video. He didn't, I noticed he, that he didn't do any videos. If you look, I think since Biggie, since he did missing you, I don't think he was in one twelve video or fake video. He just popped up in Rob video in the in the fire truck, you know. But he definitely felt the record because I remember him saying like, "Yo, we back." Like, oh, y'all back? And then came Let's Get It, and then came everything else. Like, all these records started popping up. That's when LP has special delivery. You know? Yeah, I forgot what. And it's like, it was it was in months. And it's like, I forgot what record that we was doing when he did special delivery. It could have been a, re a remix for Rob record. You know? Because Faith did come out right after Rob, not before. I believe. Okay. So to see it, that's why I say when people, people are asking like, yo, you know, well, what were the best labels to you? I was like, well, one aftermath, because it's like, they pay like they weigh. The other one is bad boy because, and with aftermath, they promote the same way bad boy does. It's like a East coast version and a West coast version on both accords. So they knew what it took in the business. Like, all right, cool. If we got the bread and we got these budgets, let's pay people their worth so they'll come back and they'll bring us all the heat. And if we make their records big, they're going to come back again. So to me, I think even in that time, like both of those was like probably some of the best labels, you know, and this is why they had the most hits. They wasn't scared to spend the budget, and it's like they put the and they were smart enough to put the budget in the right place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, Summit, uh, I have, I have no more questions. I have, I've literally lived out my sixteen-year-old hip-hop fan dreams. I got to speak to Buckwild, aka Anthony Best, one of the greatest to ever do it. Like, I'm good. I'm good. No, I'm good. Let's 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 take it on home, man. Let's 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 give Buckwild his his uh, the rest of his day. Yeah, man. Buckwild, you are one of the best to ever do it. And we mean this like 25 years, 30 years, you know, you're still on top. You know, your phone is still ringing. Produced mm. by Buckwild for Corrupt Money still means something to us and the culture. <laughs> yes. And we just really, 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 really appreciate you for adding so much value to our life with your music and your gift. Thank you so much. Man, I appreciate it, man. I, I And like I say to me, man, I think, you know, it's, it's not just me, it's God's plans because... 
like I say, like you start realizing things, even if it's later when other people start talking about it. For me, it's like I came from nothing as a DJ. And it's like, as fast as like when people fast forward with the video and some of these movies and everything is moving fast, that's how everything went. I remember making mixtapes like Hip Hop from Rockefeller. He showed me a list of the mixtapes that I made the other day. And I was like, wow, that's incredible, man. And that time I was doing that, going to work, and I was wishing. And it's like, I wished it, meaning finesse, I willed it, and finesse was like the fairy godfather. Everywhere that I needed to be in the beginning, he put me there. And it's like, I always tell him like, yo, you know, if it wasn't for you, where would I be? Man, I just opened the door for you so you could come in, man. It's like, you did the rest. Yeah, but it's like, you took me there. And it's like, you had the keys to open the door and introduce me to most people. You was cool with G-Rap. Oh, you know, well, G wants to get at you. G wasn't like, oh yeah, you know, I want him to do the remix. Who was that? I don't know. Amanda told him who it was, who I was and what I did. And it's like, that was that. So to look at it, like I give Finesse's flowers like, yo man, you birthed a lot of the hip hop in the nineties. Even if you want to say indirectly. You put me on, which in turn came with LP, you know what I'm saying, and OG, Big L. So if we were signed to you and you was doing Funky Man Productions and you had all these people under your production, people would look at you as a mogul, but it's like, yo, he's like, and I'm not gonna lie, he's one, he's probably like one of my best friends, but it's like, he has it where it's like he wants to see people win. He want to see his friends win. And it's like, that's the best thing. Like he is, he is, he's an amazing being. And it's like, I always give him his flowers and tell him that all the time. And then he shoots it down and be like, ah, oh, cut it out, man. I told him like, yo, you need to do, I told him you need to do a Netflix show, showing all the people that you put on in the timeline and who they put on and what they did. The finesse family tree. Uh, yeah. Facts. It could be a digging facts. family tree, but when you look at it, I think the trunk needs to be finesse. Wow. Because wow. for him, all the leaves that, that came off is attached to him. Like he's the godfather of all of this. Even though he had his album first, put showing um AG and Diamond on there. And then coming along, it comes me and LP and OG. But it's like to see that. All of these branches that he has, man, is because of his ear for talent. And if it's not the talent, it's his heart and how he rocks with people. Because even the meet him is like, oh, you know, they wanted him to do his mixtapes in my house. And it's like, we became cool. So just so he knows, and I tell him like, you know, if you if if you wasn't in rock and roll that day, I probably wouldn't be here doing interviews and beats and studio time now. So I tell him that, and he'd be like, "Yo, cut it up. I didn't do the work you did, but it's like, yo, man, you got to remember, you were the wick to the dynamite." Hmm. Right. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. So nice. you know, and when like people ask me, like, "Yo, you know, finesse put you on?" Yeah. Give credit where credit's due. And I think even right now, that's why these things happen. And it's like, and we're all still successful doing what we want to do and not what we have to do. It's amazing. Yeah, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate you. Man. I appreciate you. you guys, man. So this is a bucket list since, uh, since LP did his. I got mine done. 
Listen, Buckwild, <laughs> we're, not, we're not playing, man. We're not playing. I told you last time I've got a Buckwild playlist, yeah? Brother, man. My Buckwild playlist, it gets... You know how you, you say how you used to play um the Bush Babies joint like three times a day for yeah. medicine? My Buckwild playlist is medicine, man. If I'm not, matter of fact, Ali Shaheed did that record too. He did, yeah. Yeah. Man. My Buckwild playlist is my medicine. I just put on there yesterday. I found a copy of the Terror Squad album. I put Rude Boy Salute on there. Rude Boy. Wow, that's yes. crazy. I was just listening to Joe's album, um, Loyalty, the other day. And it's like, I was listening to Take a Look at My Life. And I was like, what happened to the music? Buckwild, that, 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 that was like, I know that was almost like the unofficial sequel to Live My Lifestyle. What you did on Live My Lifestyle was, oh, listen, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I see now because it's like I see how it stood the test of time and I see how generations have went through it. Like you could have been a baby when that record came out. Now you 18, 19, 20 and it's like, and you're like, oh, this is my shit. When you have it both. Live my lifestyle is the shit, one. Yeah. Like I remember I was speaking at a school and, um, and this girl was like, you know, she knew the faith record by heart because her moms would play it all the time. So she grew up to it. And I was like, wow, 10, 12 years of listening to that. And it's like, that that's pretty incredible. So even though like, uh, like sometimes people be like, I'll be like, yo, you know, some of the accolades y'all could keep because some of the things I hear from people, I'm like, yo, you know, that's enough right there. And it's like, and, and, and to even see it, like even be outside in, in New York and cars drive by and they playing your records. I remember we went to D.C. and it's like, I don't know the name of the street, but it's like, in a short time, about three or four cars came through playing a record I did for 50. And the album had been out for a while. So I look at it, that's why I say, you know, if people appreciate it, that's what it is. Because it's like, I'm a person, I've been appreciative of everything. The universe has granted me the success and it's like the ability to make these things and the ability to make the transformation now to a new generation. So I'm not changing. I'm going to be the same way I always was. And we'll keep it on that note. Beautiful. Thank you so much again. All right. Bless up, fellas. Peace once again to, to Buckwild. That was... um. There were some there there were some things that we can ruminate on. This is one of those episodes where you're gonna you're gonna go back and re-listen to it. Oh, you really said that, and you know, give, giving up business game is is very important, especially now because it feels like people are still trying to navigate the music industry. Um, and and what he said about Puff and and how he, how he worked with them, um, I think that's very telling because people don't really necessarily, especially when your when your viewpoint is Twitter. Uh, some people that's right. are very skewed about their feelings on such a person. When, that's right. when you speak that's to people right. who are there, they can give you a different perspective. Different. Yeah. yeah. And he's also a very spiritual person. I didn't know that side of him. Yeah. And I, and I think it's very, it's really interesting because, you know, um, we, especially in hip hop, uh, we, we, we cast off like Christian hip hop is Christian hip hop, right? But faith, mm-hmm. faith in all senses, the world from Islam to Hinduism to Christianity to whatever, faith, it's, it's rooted in hip hop. At this very core, five percenters, all of that, everything. It's rooted at its thing, but for some reason, we're sometimes I don't know, either afraid or we stay clear of it, or we don't think of it. That's people don't want to feel preached to. Right. Okay. 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 People don't want to feel preached to. I think that was one of the criticisms. Even though they weren't a religious group, it was very political. But Dead Prez got that criticism Mm. a lot. 
people didn't want to feel preached to. People just want to live immoral, wild lives in peace. Uh, but then also just, <laughs> but then, <laughs> right, okay, they want to be ratchet, but then also when it suits them to be spiritual. But mm. really, it's, it, it's really important. That Bro, remember, we live in a time, man, you can be whatever you want, whenever you want. No, there's no accountability. Yeah, there's no limits, no no borders. Yeah. True. No OGs, no rules. Yeah, there is nothing. It's, it's a mess out here, right? It's nothing. It's Nada. A it's a real mess. Nothing. But no. Um, appreciate Buck to, to share that wisdom and, 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 and his spirituality too. Yeah, um, and he's also mm. going to be on our War Report series too. Facts. Oh, nice segue. Ooh, you Come on, are, man. You're not new to this. You're true to this. I like it. Come on, man. Man's been studying out here, isn't he? I, I, listen, I don't... Listen, that War Report... I'm just cancel it. Just cancel it. Why? Just because I want to be contrarian for a second. No, nah, man, I might leak it, bro. <laughs> I'm going to leak the whole thing. Can you imagine if we did that? That'd be a good... Pl- that'd be People a good- would be upset. That'd be a good PR plan, right? Yeah, people would be upset. There's oh. there's one guy on Twitter, mm. like, uh, uh, like it, it's funny, mm. but he was like, make sure you do the chronic. Wow. He's like, bruv, you, first of all, you got to relax. Wow. Secondly, I appreciate the fact that you really want us to do it. And he's like, yeah, make sure you do the chronic. And he had a white vest on and he has mad muscles, bro. Yeah, I and I was like, nah, I don't, I don't want no problems. I play with him. I mean, I've really, I've really yeah. got enough problems with Apollo Brown right now. And Apollo Brown's stalking me, bruv. Apollo, I think Apollo Brown's going to torture me slowly. It's cool, man. Um, I got some. I got some stuff from Apollo coming in the post, actually. Nice. Not from him. Nice. Not from him. Nice. He's got this new label out called Freshwater. Okay. Yes. yes and they do like hoodies and stuff. Some really, really cool stuff. I ordered two hoodies from there. Yeah. No. No. I'm so also when joking. You see me out in the street with a with a yellow hoodie. That's an Apollo Brown thing. Okay. It? And I'm also joking about Apollo Brown. Yeah. He's, he's he's cool people. It's all good. It's all good. And shout out to Sean Cantrowitz. Yes. The hoodie came in the post. I bought one of the questions hoodies. They're nice. Yeah. We also got a nice. shout out in his um, Dan Charnas Frank Knit um, episode. I was watching it live. I missed um, it. It's, it's, you can you can obviously watch it on YouTube, but also Sean Kantrowitz has Questions Hip Hop Podcast, which is on Stone That's right. Pods. Yes, so shout, out to, shout out to the guys over there. You see, how, you see how good we are? We're just free-flowing with the promo. It's okay. We've, we've plugged in War Report series. We've come up with a PR strategy to leak it. Um, and what we should do is create beef, right? It's better, no, I'm not doing that. Remember Cam and Jim Jones did that? Yeah, but they, it, There was a thing where they said we should create a fake beef and look what happened to their relationship. Not doing it. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Watch what you say. But can you imagine if it caused a furore? You know, the papers are furore, bruv. Nah, bro. That's the day we'd get the most love we ever got. Yeah, 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 yeah. I we know should... that doesn't make sense grammatically, but you know what I mean. I know. That I know, would I know, be I know. the day that we would get the most love we would ever get. I like the idea of leaking it though, like a like a like a mixtape, like a Ron G mixtape or something, like a clue tape. Well, that's up. That's up to you, bro. Remember, we we're paying do. for this out of our own pocket. Sorry, and that's. Can you afford to leak it? That's the question. No. Exactly. No. Or, or I could fake it and say, "Yeah, man, I got, I got, I got peas, bro." Like, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. It's either. Or. It's up to you, isn't it? All right, we'll we'll we'll, we'll park that. We'll put a pin in that. Um, but no, honestly, thanks to Buckwild. Um, really, really cool. We've the first three names on our bucket list that we 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 put together. Well, I say we you put together. Um, a long time ago, all scratched off. But it's important, and I think it's it's something that the listeners should hear before we go. Is like, you know, things don't just happen quickly i've had people reach out to me on the dms and say oh, i've just started a podcast how did you get oc mm. and my advice to them was just start and just build mm. you've yeah. got to provide value for them too they're not just here to talk they're busy people and they don't have to be here and share their advice with you so you know we started in january 2018 and we're still working through the bucket list so that's what i would say to all my fellow podcasters and hosts and you know just people who are creative it takes time yeah. it takes time it, does. it takes time. We're, we're still looking for large professor. Yeah. It takes time. It does take time. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna not correct you, but I'm gonna change the timeline there. We didn't start as hip hop. 
Yes. So we we we've got Thank to, you. we've got to take I stand corrected. So we've got to take the because we make a made a conscious decision not to be hip hop at that point, a hip hop podcast. We took the conscious because I felt I guess we felt and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but we felt like ah we could do that. You said something to me. I remember the I remember the day that you said we should be a hip hop podcast, and you said and it made so much sense. It said or you said it. You know it. You uh, said it, it, um, in that. Let's just talk about what we're passionate about. That gives us the sparkle in our eye that we can turn on the microphone, just be ready to go and have fun. And that's hip hop. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. One of the best decisions I ever made. So, so you know, not I, but, you know, I brought you. it to the table. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy that we made that decision. So in light of that, we've only really been going for two years. Yeah. Well, less than, right? Less than, but in today's climate, two years is considered that's long. Yeah, that's, that's fact. But you gotta grind it out, man, and and, and you know, and, and be and, and be patient. And you know, we've been wanting Buckwild for a while. He heard the EZLP interview, and he said, "Listen, I got to talk to these guys because that interview was dope." Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, know, your your sentiment is right. I just, you know, we got we. Uh, I just want to be a dickhead, didn't it? That's what it was. Now, nah, safe, innit? Um, but apologies. Um, but no, safe, 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 safe. You can follow us on social at Break follow the Atoms, at, Twitter, come on, Instagram. Come Chris's on. handle is at I am Kinetic. Mine's is at Chronicle. We'll be back next week next with week. another episode. So until then, come on, peace, peace. peace.